For the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D A L E Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the 15th episode of the fourth season of NBC's This Is Us. This one was simply named Clouds. Clouds. You got a title read? Yep. It is Ooh. the name of of Joni Mitchell's second studio album. Shut up, Paul. You're too good. I don't know anyone else's second album names except for Joni Mitchell. (laughs) And you just pulled that right out of your ass crack? Yep. You're like, here you go, Clouds by Joni Mitchell. Yep. Oh my gosh, I love it. This episode had a lot going on in terms of pushing our stories forward. We're going to start off with Randall this time, which normally we might leave Randall till last because he tends to be so heavy and complicated, but I want to dive right in. I'm just like too eager to talk about his story this time. We had that flashback of report card day where we set him up as an anxious youngster wanting to make sure he gets the best grades possible. We had the little bit with Beth saying like, you know, uh, let's get going to therapy kind of thing, right? Yeah. But then the majority of his storyline is in therapy. Let me ask you, Paul, what did you think of this therapist? What was just your initial vibe? There were there's a lot of things going on in those scenes. My initial vibe was was shaped because of some of those some of those things. Okay, talk to me. The tight camera angle on his face, not allowing us to see the doctor. Yeah. Shortening our our perspective to only be Randall and then making the coffee sound be this thing that kind of got to bug us as much as it bugged him. Mm-hmm. Having been, you know, in that chair myself and trying to explain away my own problems to someone that doesn't know me, it all felt kind of familiar in, in, a, in a certain way, too. But what did you think about her? Like, I, okay, so, you, so you've been in the chair, fine. But this woman says, oh, I know your story. Paul, I've heard your speeches. What are you thinking of this actual therapist? It seemed like she was trying to get a rise out of him. She seemed gross. And the fact that we didn't see her for the longest time until the very end, it weirded me out. Really weirded me out. What was that supposed to do from like a film standpoint? Were we supposed to be disengaged from her? Or was she supposed to come off that angry sounding or just ugly or what? I think it was that if you if you go back and listen to Randall's answers, most of his monologue in, the, in those sections, because he really was just kind of talking to himself, really. It was all about how he knew everything. He was fine with what he knew. He was sure about everything. And so the idea was that, that his perspective was just closed in right around him. Okay, I like that. And so the camera was reflecting that too. Okay, I like that a lot. Can we talk about the couple things that really, really bothered him? Uh, so first, that professionalism portion, right? I understand that the camera didn't show, but what do we think about the idea that she had gone and done any amount of research and or knew he who he was in advance? Do we think any of that is okay? Do you need to have 
anonymity with your therapist beforehand? Or was that like just jarring generally? I'm not a public figure, so I never experienced that. However, I have seen The Sopranos and the same things happens in The Sopranos, which okay. he, he calls out. Are Bubba, you... Was that the therapist from The Sopranos when they showed no. her at the end? Are you sure? She sounds very similar. No, no, no. They showed her face. I know. And that's and... not her. No. It's not her. She, but, I mean, she did a dead-on sound-alike of that sort of monotonous, kind of deeper-voiced woman affect that she had. But it's not the same same person. Her name, you're looking for Lorraine Bracco, and it's not her. I'm looking for... Is it your mom? Your mom. Your mom is the therapist? Yeah, mom is the therapist. She's not qualified for that. How do you know what my mom's qualified for? Because they hang up the She has it diplomas. hanging in her special office. You don't even know. Well, while you find that, that, that is one of the opening parts of the relationship between Tony Soprano and Dr. Melfi is that she knows who he is. And the reason she has to explain all that is because... If he were to explain anything that were that was a crime, then she would be forced to report that. And so she wanted to be very upfront about not wanting to be involved with any of that. And so he had to retool uh, his narratives in his sessions to not make any crimes uh, very obvious that they that they went down anyway. All right, so the actress that plays. The therapist is Pamela Adlin and from Better Things. I don't know her. I don't know her either. She has a good Dr. Melfi impression, though. She does. She really does. Do you think that this, this setup for like entrapment in terms of the coffee maker making that hiss, which was fucking annoying. It was annoying to me. Was it annoying to you? I watched it with the screener and I think the sound effects were temporary because it sounded a lot like someone was using one of those Glade air freshener automated things. Oh, that's funny. Just out of control, like in the microphone, like <laughs> I don't know if I was hearing the, the final sound effect but it was nasty it was like really like how could you let this keep happening kind well, so of, but kind was of an entrapment like did does she let it happen to be obnoxious to see if the person snaps at a sound at a sound like an auditory trigger the whole thing felt like a setup in a way which i don't under i you know i'm not a therapist i don't understand if that's an actual approach to mm -hmm. trying to break somebody down or not but right but what was the other thing like i mean he walked in and felt very very confronted by that picture hanging on the wall mm -hmm. but did did you recognize it did was it something that upset you I don't even recall it. It was like a person over like a chalk drawing with like a bunch of balloons kind of floating. Huh. I, I mean, I didn't, I, you guys, I, he was so pissed about it. He's like, why would you hang that up there? Like, what the fuck, dude? He's pretty tuned up. I mean. Oh, yeah. Speaking of therapy, what do you think about the idea that Jack is the one that taught him the running and he kind of treated the running as essentially a replacement for actual therapy. He was just taught, just keep running and that'll, it'll all kind of work itself out if you just focus on this physical activity. Hmm. Do you think that's good advice for a boy, but doesn't really apply to a man? Or do you think it's just like not great advice? Well, so as, as somebody who has definitely employed in a therapist in my life for various family members, I think that the literal running is positive in terms of, you know, getting out that extra energy and feeling a little bit of fatigue. And sometimes that can quiet your mind. But the metaphorical, like you could just keep running and running and running and shit's not going to catch up to you. 
I mean, wah, wah. No, of course not. Like, it's definitely going to get you at some point. It is? Yeah, Paul, you should stop running so much. <laughs> but I mean, definitely, we've all seen people use exercise as a means to control stress. And, and, it, and it does combat stress. It isn't a, a bad way to do it. But I think that for Randall, even at a very young age, it was very clear that he needed a lot more support than just the physical stress relief of jogging. He he really, really showed time and time again, he, he was a very stressed and anxious person. Do you think that that might come back in these sessions where even though it seems like uh, the doctor wants to focus on mom, do you think we have enough time for them to bring up dad? I do think that dad's got to be brought up because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is us really does try to bring Jack into every storyline. So there's really no way to not have him be a part of this therapy. Although I was really surprised he came back to that therapist. Everything about that therapy session upset me. Like I didn't want to be in therapy. I hated this therapist. When he says, if if it wasn't for me, my fam- my whole family would fall apart because I'm the person that keeps it together. And when I think back, just taking that face value, he's the one that throws Thanksgiving. And that's like the big one when they're all together. He's the one that like was the keeper of the pilgrim Jack hat. Right. He, he has that gluing the family together when his brother is off filming things. His sister has had her own batch of, of issues and now does have a special needs child, but she's always kind of had her own batch of issues. He always was the one that cared a lot about making sure they were all together and he kept on the tradition. So when she says, oh, would they fall apart? Would they? As if to imply your family would be completely fine even if you weren't on the face of the earth is like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? Like, I know on one hand, that's like a, you can take the pressure off yourself because the weight of this family is not on your shoulders and it is up to everyone to keep the family together. Okay, I got that. But the way to say that, like, oh, would they fall apart? Would they now? Yeah. Is so ugly and confronting in a way that's like, are you trying to make me feel like I'm not important and I don't play an important role in my family? Like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, lady. How many people walk out of this office and go walk right in front of a bus? Like, fucking shit. Yeah, I I thought that the solution was not that he not go back to therapy. I thought the solution was just find a more compatible therapist. Hells yeah. I don't think I could have stepped foot back in that office. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I could because I don't think I could deal with a therapist who was going to have that edge in her voice. You know, Mm. like, I just feel like I would automatically be like, what is your damage, Heather? Like, I cannot (laughs) continue to look at you like this. And you already are making me feel like very on edge that you know who I am. Almost the way that she said it almost felt, and I I know this is off base, but it almost felt like blackmail-y. Like it felt like in Clue when the person's like, I know who you are and I know who you work for. Like it felt so like, the fuck I'm sitting in this like, you know, playroom of a therapy office. And I don't know why you're talking to me like that. Why don't you just let me tell you that what my job is and what I do? Like, why are you why would you cut me off to tell me something like that? Ew. I could see where she she would want to try to provoke a way to get him off script so that he starts to say something that is new and and something that has been generated by fresh thought rather than running off of a script. 
Okay, I can lean into that a lot. The idea that like, I don't want you to just keep telling me the same thing. But wouldn't like 90% of therapists say, it seems as though you've told this story before. And perhaps it even is, you know, something that just comes off almost like rote memory for you. Maybe we could explore it in a different way. You know, like rather than be like, I know who you are and I've heard your speeches. Like it's it was so aggressive. It was. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just being super sensitive. I don't know. That first session with a therapist, if they're not asking for for that kind of information, then, you know, the they're, they're just going to take you from like here and and move forward without looking back and try to treat you. Is that... That's not real. I just don't. I don't know. She really wigged me out. And if there's if there's therapists out there that are listening to this who say, no, this is like a real well-documented, uh, very effective method of dealing with first-time patients. You got to shake them up. You got to rattle them. You got to upset them. You know, and then if they come back, you know, they're serious or I, I don't know what I, I'm not sure what this maybe this was a true method, but boy, did it bother me. And I got to say, I'm someone who has misophonia. That's somebody who gets very irritated easily about noises. The hissing thing. Pfft, I'd have been like, all right. So the first thing we have to deal with is that noise, wherever it's coming from, it has to stop. And then if you want to talk about how we're going to like make me feel better about sounds, awesome but like that's got to stop like i'm going to turn inside out right now and in, and at first though paul i gotta tell you i thought is he is everyone hearing the sound or is it only randall i thought that too i got really nervous yeah that it was like is does he think people are like booing and hissing at him i don't know what's happening so weird the tail end of randall's story is him i mean just before he goes back to the doctor he goes to beth and he's like it's not for me no and Beth lays it on him, like the the truth of it. And I was just wondering, does that does that feel familiar <laughs> at all? Does that does that ring true to you? I think that the the concept of you have a responsibility to the other people that you share your life with to do your best to maintain your own mental and physical health is a real message and is very fair and very reasonable. The idea of just neglecting yourself and thinking that, well, the only person I'm harming is myself is uh, is just not accurate when you're in a family. And especially with like Beth and Randall, where everything she was saying was so real. You know, they, she was a part of a break-in too. She has fears and concerns too, but she can't even share that with him or get much less get support because he is he is so fragile and so well and is like the camera so narrow on his the way he sees things right on his experience right like the fact that she chose to go to her mom's house with the girls i mean that should have been a little flag to you and i watching the show for as long as we have she's only dealt with her mom like one other time and she went with her sister so the fact that post burglary she opts to take the kids and leave the house for a while. Should have said something like, oh, wow, that's really not something that Beth normally does. She is really uncomfortable with being in the house as much as she's verbally saying, you're, you know, everything's fine, Randall. We have the cameras. Everything's fine. She is choosing to take breaks and be in places where she's in a familiar setting where she feels safe. You know, that that is indicative of somebody who needs some reinforcement, getting away to feel more comfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. So she is showing the signs, but we just haven't had a big spotlight on how she's handling the burglary. So I appreciated it. Every single thing that she did 
I appreciated it. I think when it comes to you and I, if you were asking me in a more like personal way, I think that always I've any wife would want their husband to feel better and to feel happy to to deal with themselves. And in our case with three special needs kids. Yeah. I mean, I think that the 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 general sentiment of we all need you to be whole and healthy because there's other people in this house that we don't have a way to make them whole and healthy. Um, anything any one of us can do to try to be more strong or or however you want to say it, more just generally healthy, I guess is the word I want to say. I mean, we all have to take advantage of whatever we can to, to feel better. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So I, I think it was fair. And I think it's a really good message for like, this is us fans. Like, you know, if you're if you are resisting getting help because you think it's no big deal and you're not really affecting anyone else wrong you're probably affecting everyone in your life you do have some amount of responsibility to get help so that they can also you can also be a good partner or a good husband or a good dad or a good son or whatever right right okay let's talk about the idea of being a good dad because that is something that is completely trying to be addressed here how do you feel about this toby and kate storyline and this whole idea that it was okay for Toby to say the things he did because after all, in marriage, you should be able to say anything you want and it should be safe. I would probably say that I believe that more than you might expect. Do um, tell. Where else is he supposed to get that feeling out and sort it out if not at home? He was just going to continue doing what he was doing, avoiding his, his actual life going to the gym, staying at work, whatever, by saying what he said, as hurtful as it was, it was like then, as damaging as it was to hear, it was only then that it was like out there and needed to be dealt with. Does that make sense? I think so. I, I will pull it back to the idea that I think that it's fair and safe to have any feelings that you have within a marriage and try to express that but I think that the way that you express that and the everything kind of surrounding that like the way that he had been hiding at the gym and the way that he did have this lady kryptonite situation to kind of like layer this and then lay it on for me was like no nobody's obligated to take that level of ugliness on whether you're in a marriage or not you know like you you had a responsibility to talk to her earlier than this point and or come to her and say I'm having a real problem I have this awful feeling that the reason why I'm not bonding with Jack is because I am so upset by his disability that I just feel like it's a barrier between us but like the whole way that it all came out for me is like mm, I, I don't I really don't think you can expect just to be able to say those kind of words to anybody am I making sense like the sentiment could be the same but people still have feelings and you're not allowed to just sort of like implode. Then where is he supposed to do it? I mean, he. Well, he, he, I think Beth would tell you in therapy. <laughs> and then you, you then you try to deal with people in a more constructive and not bust everything up kind of way. You know, I mean, actually, if you look at it, these two men had have issues and they were handling it in very similar yet different ways. Randall's having all these problems and he's running. He's physically trying to get it out, right? Yeah. And then you have Toby going to the gym and he's physically trying to get it out and trying to kind of work it through and everything. 
of course, then you have like the the extra woman situation that is like questionable because like you said in a previous episode, well, he might not have been the one to kiss Lady Kryptonite. What had he done? What messages, what vibes had he been sending her that made it seem like it's okay Mm -hmm. to move forward with that? So he clearly was a participant on some level. Still, I just, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think a marriage is a free pass dumping ground to be able to shit in the mouth of your partner, unless she specifically asks for that. <laughs> she never does. I'm not this wife. <laughs> <laughs> that might be y'all's thing, but it's not mine. So was this too little too late on Toby in the music studio, or was it just enough right in time? I really want to believe in Toby. I just want to hope that this was a lapse because I've come around up to the birth of Jack to thinking that Toby was was a guy I could get behind. This gesture and the way that he's he's now Jack's best friend apparently. I really want to believe it. I'm kind of I'm kind of with Kate on this one in that I want to believe it. I just don't know if I if I can because of what he said does that make sense absolutely yeah even though i said i guess that i want to believe that a marriage should should be an open space where you can say things you can't the unfortunate thing is you just can't unhear things ah i love that that's exactly the problem right yeah is that you can't unhear things and so you better be sure that whatever it is you're going to say is something that you can basically live with. And that is why we've talked about this a lot, about the going outside your circle. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it may not be the best idea to tell your your partner every single thing. You might need to, like, bounce it off of someone else, a friend or a coworker or a therapist or somebody further out so that maybe you can hear how it sounds when you say it and then say, oh, shit, that is going to be a doozy if I say that to her. And she is not going to be able to unhear that. Whereas my coworker or, you know, my brother or my whatever might be able to turn it back and say, hey, listen, I'm not even that close to you. And that hurts my feelings really bad. So you might not want to say that. I think that's okay. I I don't think that, um, and I don't think it diminishes the marriage. I think I really like you saying that. Did you have any questions and or concerns about Toby and Kate? Well, on there is just, do you believe Toby has a a change of heart that's going to stick? We saw the the flash forwards that that the music room stays the music room and becomes a big part of Baby Jack's life. That is true. And you know who I saw in the music studio? Jack and only Jack. Yeah, there was no, the parents never showed up. It kind of went from baby to garage bands of various stripes and then him as a solo artist, right? Yeah, right. I don't know what to think about it. I mean, it, it does seem to stick around. You're right that going from baby to high school implies that maybe there's a gap when it isn't there, hmm. that maybe it's brought back. Although you say that there was a boy, a little boy ish age, I'm going to go with maybe like a seven year old who's like playing the keyboard and Kate is watching him, but only Kate. I don't remember seeing Toby. So it was like our just the first slide into the future is like a boy that I didn't even re- really recognize was supposed to be Jack because you didn't know you were, fly, you know, slipping into a fast forward there. But then you see her smiling and stuff, and then it keeps going. So that makes me wonder if it if it's like a like a flash in the pan, and then it's brought back maybe when they get divorced or something. Well, that that those future flashes they manipulated us before into thinking oh. that that Randall and Beth were Splitsville, right? Very true. 
right now, I would say that they're manipulating us into thinking that Toby is not part of the family anymore and that he's being invited to these last moments with Rebecca because, I guess, to honor the time that he was in the family. Does that make sense? I think that's exactly how it feels currently. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's what it is. But I don't know. They, they, did, they did a lot of good work to make it seem like that's what it is. They have done a lot of good work, but I mean, but they are willing to go all in like that. You know, they mm. are willing to drag you down a line for an awfully long time and feel like, you know, what is it that it's what what did we ever think it was going to be the crock pot? See, I'm, I'm still going with at some point Kate dies and, and that just sends him like down a spiral. That's how he kind of disengages from the Pearson family, even though, you know, those are still his kids, aunts and uncles and, and that sort of stuff. But it, but we know with his depression, some like he goes much darker than than you might expect. Absolutely. I, I like the concept of the of the music studio and I think that it seems positive. I like the little playpenny area, you know. I mean I think we had those exact areas for our kids and so that all felt very real and very realistic. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Toby. I I don't know if this is one of those this feels like the right thing I should be saying right now and so I'm going to do this or if he really has a change of heart. Taking it at face value at this point is I don't know, just the only way that you can kind of stay sane, right? And move forward with having another adult in the house. See, now this is a very important little portion. The way that she gets to this point is by having lunch with Madison, going outside the the most intimate circle and taking it a step out, listening to someone else from the outside say, hey, you know, like, what do you think about this? You know, he's somebody who knows you with no makeup on. He knows you as a real person. And, you know, who else is he going to discuss his deepest fears with without any kind of punishment? I, that see now Kate I feel like is doing a good job like she went out she hears hears this other stuff and she's like okay all right I'm at least willing to like float this as like maybe this is the foundation of marriage and why things should should work out here mm-hmm. so I'm okay with all that speaking of Madison we have to have a little side note Kevin what Toby I like when he was like what <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. That, that was really, really funny. That was good. That was yeah. good little comic relief there. And like a little glimpse into old Tobes in a way that made me like, God damn it. You know, because he's like permission to react. Like they were in such a place that like he couldn't even be funny for a second. He couldn't even deal with it. And it was like, man, just be your old self, Toby. Just be your own self, you know? Yeah. Did you think that Madison and Kevin are coming back in on the scene based on those things that she was saying? I thought that they're they're a legal uh, couple um, already. I, I, I don't see any reason why they can't pursue things. Okay. I feel like this could be coming and I'm trying to get myself geared up. You know who else wouldn't have food in the house? Madison. Yeah. Because she has like an eating issue and doesn't eat anything. So she wouldn't have tons of food in that future kevin house right because that's just not her good call good mm, call that's mm, mm. me like changing gears <laughs> shifting into kevin all right let's get into kevin let's talk about this already kevin had a little bit of a different storyline with rebecca this episode he has both a pretty weighty flashback with her combined with a current day outing how did you like how they were trying to kind of make a little parallel well and there was a third layer it was they brought in the time that she and jack went to Joni mitchell's house 
right? Or tried to find Joni Mitchell's house and they tried to try to stack that in there in that same same thing. What was interesting about that for me though, Paul, was that they were they were flashing between those two things. The person who was being flipped out was Kevin and Jack. Yeah. Which is interesting because I was on a Facebook page recently, a fan group, and the question that someone asked is, Kevin or Jack, like who would you rather be your husband? Who would you rather be your support person, right? And it wasn't something that I really thought about that much. Um, And I was like, oh, Jack, for sure. But when I see this episode, it's like the show is almost like being like, Oh, see how they they like have are playing the same role for Rebecca, like they're being interchangeable like this. Mm-hmm. It was a weird feeling because I never put them in that type of interchangeable kind of feeling between the two of them. They seem like very two distinct, different people with very very different relationships and ways they handle things with her. I mean, Kevin's not a carbon copy of his dad. He just has parts of him, right? One of those parts is that Kevin. Maybe it's part of his personality or maybe it's part of his celebrity and it's turned into his personality. I don't know. But he does, to an extent, live for the moment. And he does he does want to keep things fun and exciting, which was sort of the uh, the flashback with the baseball cards was was, I guess, her kind of jazzing up the uh, the event, trying to find that last member of his uh, 1991 baseball card set. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of leads me to my my question about Kevin's section. It's not that she can depend on Jack or Kevin because Jack's not around. She's kind of stuck with uh, Randall or Kevin. So if you were going through this situation and you had steady Nettie, who's who's gonna gonna make sure everyone goes to the doctor at the right times and and is gonna try to manage this process with you so that you get the best care or the son that's going to try his best to get you to the doctor, but he's also going to take you to Joni Mitchell's house in the meantime. Do you think that this conflict of philosophies, this could be the the seeds of the rift that, that that's coming? And which son would you rather have taking care of you more? more well, it's super interesting that you said steady Nettie because that implies that Reynolds all for the good and he's not. I mean, he could not show up one day because he's crying in his closet. And no, he, he could break at any time. So mm. there's nothing about that that feels like a sure thing. I mean, that feels like steady till he's not. That's, yeah, you know, that's how he operates. Yeah. And so that's for me, you know me. I am somebody who, if we're on a road trip and we're supposed to get there at six o'clock and there's puppies on the side of the road, I say, text and say we all had to go to the bathroom (laughs) and we're going to be there at seven o'clock because like we're totally driving through the drive through safari and like I want to go to that garage sale. So pull the frick over. So I'd want to go to Joni Mitchell's house. And I think in Rebecca's state of mind with the carpe diem, that is not Randall. So if if this is how she's going to feel and this is what she's going to want to do, I think you're right. Like her gravitating towards Kevin and his philosophy makes sense. But do you think that could elevate to the point where it's like a I don't want to talk to you anymore kind of kind of thing between the the siblings? I I think it could. Oh, I yeah, I yeah, completely because the way that Rebecca says sometimes making people forget about their worries or what comes next is the most important job that someone can have. I think that that's huge. And that is exactly what Kevin offers 
Rebecca. In this time of need for her, she seems to want someone who's 100% willing to go check out Joni Mitchell's house or who's going to be willing to put on their bathing suit and go swim at, you know, in the middle of the night at the pool. Randall's not going to be either of those two people. He would have 100% shut down that idea. And in a sad kind of way, he doesn't have the gravitas that Kevin has to actually get access. You know, I know it didn't work, but he was willing to do it. You know, he was willing to like use his celebrity card to get into Joni Mitchell's house. Yeah. I don't, I, I could see this where, where Randall's going to say, you weren't there at a certain time. You should have been there at a certain time, blah, blah, blah. You know, those kinds of things. Now, what's interesting is that you said, should it be Randall or should it be Kevin? And you never said, should it be Miguel, her husband? Hmm. Like, why isn't, he the one taking her to the appointments. There's nothing seemingly wrong with him. I mean, he just bowed out this week. He was like... Yeah, you're right, I suppose. He said, I'm going to bow out of the activity of, of the day. His excuse was he's he's there every other day. And which... that he's been going on these like field trips every day and is kind of wearing out. Yeah. Accurate, probably very accurate. Your, your point is valid, This is, but this is not the Miguel show. <laughs> it's most definitely not <laughs> Miguel Pearson. Right. P.S. What is what is Rebecca's last name? Certainly it must be whatever Miguel's last name is. Yeah. I, Do you think she took his last name? Probably. Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. I wonder if she remember. kept Pearson. Huh. We'll have to I'm gonna have to figure that out. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. I like the metaphor of Joni Mitchell's house that the songwriter who was with Joni at the time Graham Nash wrote it in order to as she says, keep an otherwise simple moment that might be forgotten to be able to remember it, right? Mm -hmm. Just buying a vase, putting flowers in it, just singing about what you did that morning, creating a song out of it. There's something, obviously, the, the forgetting it part that's very, very special. And I could see them using songs with her and in a very This Is Us teachable moment. I know with Alzheimer's, songs are one of the ways that people are able to recollect things that otherwise they can't. Mm -hmm. Where when they play certain music, they can suddenly remember certain times better. So I feel like they're easing us into that, that she is going to be able to remember Jack when they play certain songs or remember the kids when they play certain songs. That's a good call. That feels right. I like how they're laying the groundwork because I think I could see this playing out in the treatment of this. Were you surprised that they gave it a name? Because this whole time we've been like, is it Alzheimer's? And they were like, it's, we're not going to tell you. Well, the, that's but everyone's the thing. been saying it's Alzheimer's. I, well, Mandy Moore actually said, nope, it's not Alzheimer's. Remember at the end of yeah, last year? So I'm a so. little confused because, I mean, it, maybe it's a red herring. Maybe, maybe they're going to say, so this all signs point to Alzheimer's. You know, fast forward two weeks, holy shit, it was really this tumor that we well, didn't see. But she's done all the scans, so... I mean, we I, all signs point to it. Yeah. It seems right, but also weird. But then also, Fogelman's whole, like, I'm going to ever let my wife be in bed with... Right, so... So, okay, maybe they're going back on everything, right? What did you think about Kevin going back to the baseball card shop and getting that card that they had been hunting for. What did it all mean? I think it means that dealing with mom that day was probably, once once he dropped her off, it was like there was probably a weight that descended on him because he realized now what what we were really doing. What's at stake? What's going on here? What, what phase of life we've just backed into, basically. Getting that baseball card 
kind of uh, is a way to relive that that memory with his mom and give him a reminder, I guess, of the what she needs from him, which is the the fun and the freedom portion of of life. So I think that's it. It's like a tangible way to be like, this is what mom needs. I really like that. I like that. I I had written down that. I, I had really clued into the part where he asked her to blow on the pack for good luck. And so I thought maybe it was like a little bit of like a good luck charm to put mm. in his wallet. Like somehow, somehow if you hung on to that, there'd be some level of protection, you know, some level of mom blows on it, you know, and good things happen. Yeah. You know, and so I thought, I don't know, maybe it was just, again, it was just a very tangible way to remember that day. Again, a simple nothing day. You know, you went with your mom to the baseball shop. You know, that was all. But it was like the song. It was like a way to remember a very simple morning um, that you could have forgotten about completely. What did you think about the fact that so long ago it was going to cost him however many dollars, like eight bucks or whatever to get the packs and stuff. But then when he went and he just got the card, it was only two bucks. That's baseball cards. (laughs) But is it that or is it that the valuable nature of it completely changed even to him as a kid? Like, it was so valuable. It was worth all the money of his report card. For, seemingly, the, for the, just the chance. Seemingly months of work for just the chance. Like, I, and I understand, guys. I get it. I get baseball cards changing. This is, not my, this is not my point. My point is about how valuable. And then to hear, because you could almost tell when he said, how much is it? I don't know. All of us would thought, oh, maybe he's going to say $50 or something, you know? And when he said $2, there was something so minuscule about that that seemed like, hmm. Wow, it was practically throwaway. The guy could probably be like, shit, you could just have it for free. Yeah. It made me really wonder about the the value placed on it, I guess. I know I'm not making a good point right now, but I feel like I know what I'm trying to say. Can you what do you hear me saying? I don't know. <laughs> oh fuck. I don't th- th- there's something about like that memory was so valuable to him. And when he went back to try to even have a piece of the memory. It turned out that it wasn't really even worth anything. It was just the fact that his mom was there and they had that interaction that made it valuable. Okay. You like that? Is yeah, that that's a nice way to tie that oh, up. Oh, God. I feel like um, the only little nugget that we missed was the little flashback that we had with Kate and the Stuart situation, which I thought was just, again, you know how you say like every single episode, we have to have a Jack story. We have to have some sort of moment with him. That seemed to be the way to do it. Did you feel like it was anything? Why did we do that exactly? To get the waffle story, basically, I, it's I a think. It's a pancake. Well, whatever. Waffle iron, it was but a whatever. breakfast food. Okay, but so what, is Toby her first marriage? Is he, is he the first waffle? Mm. Maybe she's going to have a better marriage with somebody else, with Gregory or whomever. Well, maybe, maybe Toby's just a, a perfectly good pancake that just needs a little more time on the on the frying pan right i don't know i'm curious because always we're supposed to have some sort of parallel right from the old story to the current time yeah so all right she got dumped by Stuart in the in the flashback and she's told well the first one's not always the best one sometimes it's the second one Mm. And then I'm all like, uh. Good call. It totally flew over my head, but now I see what you're saying. I mean, I don't want to think that exactly, but uh, I mean, what else are we supposed to think? He was definitely saying, don't fight for Stuart. <laughs> so, 
what does it mean? Uh, I, uh, Toby's, Toby's on the watch list. Toby's on the FBI watch list. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I thought that this story was good. I really enjoyed the Kevin parts. I really thought that they did a great job. Uh, little boy Kevin, oh, God, with all this like, oh, shit, you're serious? You think you're the fun mom? <laughs> nice call back to that. I wish you were like Sophie's mom. Yeah. You know, that was nice. And God, how long that story's been going. We, You and I had only clocked that back to them being teenagers and Sophie's mom being cool. Psh, shit, he's like 11. And Sophie's mom is like cool beans. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Okay. So way to continue to layer that on. Um, and I think we got little little tiny steps to Madison and Kevin making a go. I think that's that shit seems real, Paul. I know you've been talking it up. And I'm just saying, I'd get a new therapist. I'm not going back to that lady's office. I would feel humiliated that she treated me weirdly. And that's not for me. I know it's TV, but man, I've, I've been to several different therapists and I've maybe found one that is actually anywhere close to that level of trying to challenge you the rest are just trying to ride out the hour oh shit really (laughs) oh i wouldn't say anything so quite so negative i mean certainly therapy has been helpful right overall in different scenarios yeah just made big eyebrows the one guy that i'm thinking of that that was challenging yeah he i found him helpful but very interesting i'm looking forward to randall hopefully we know he's gonna have a breakdown though right like we just know it in our heart of hearts when he said i have a breakdown like every decade and we know he's about to turn 40 like a decade marker yeah The wheels feel like they're definitely coming off i mean it is there's three episodes left there's plenty of time for something to go wrong back at home. He's a or back at the office. Uh, yeah, we've barely even this, gotten into that. He had this housing bill, remember, oh, that he yeah. was dealing with or yeah. housing. I didn't initiative. even focus on the housing bill. Yeah. Where's my head been with the blind baby story when I should have been focused on the housing bill? Right. <laughs> so there's we haven't even dealt with Malik lately. There's plenty of room for things to go wrong back at his house. Good call. Good call. Well, thanks you guys so much for listening. We want to hear everything you have to say. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what do you think is going on right now. Would you get a new therapist? Would you get the fuck out of town? Is the music uh, room like last ditch effort? Was this actually something? Is Kevin going to be turned out to be like a good time Charlie, but like end up missing medication or somehow do something wrong? Who knows? Make bad treatment plans? I don't know. Or is he going to turn out to be great? I don't know. What do you think, Paul? I think that's all stuff we can talk about in a future podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks. Odd Clubhouse.